Greetings and welcome to the Health and Wellness Show. Our health podcast is dedicated to providing you with science-based knowledge to help you attain a happy and healthy life. Topics are from patient files and from questions from members, and chosen items are of general interest. Your specific topics can be handled through our question and answer section of the website. Okay, today our topic will be oxidation and antioxidants in our bodies. Now, this will be an introduction because this is a huge area of study, but it is an important thing for us to know about, so I want to give you an introduction to it. We're going to talk about what is it, what does oxidation do to us, and what can we help do to help control it. Now, oxidation is a chemical reaction that changes the nature of a molecule. A common and easily understood example is iron. Iron is a metal that is used extensively, and it is subject to the reaction of oxidation. If you just leave it sitting out in the presence of oxygen and a little bit of water, iron oxidizes, and the new molecule is an iron oxide, and we call it rust. So rust, which is oxidized iron, is very different from iron, the parent metal. Since we do not want our iron to rust, various methods have been devised to help prevent that. We can oil it or wax it, and that will delay the oxidation. We can coat it with an electroplated cadmium, which will prevent the oxidation. We can hot dip galvanize it with zinc, which will help prevent the oxidation. Or we can coat it with a coating such as paint or Cerakote, which will also prevent the oxidation. Now, each of these methods of delaying or preventing the oxidation of iron into rust is known as an antioxidant. So an antioxidant is simply a method to prevent or delay oxidation. Now, our bodies also have the issue of oxidation, and we have developed various methods of using antioxidants. During normal biochemical reactions, certain compounds are produced which have the ability to produce oxidation. But in our bodies, it's not iron being oxidized. In this case, what's being oxidized are our proteins and our DNA. And as you would guess, that is not a good thing. And again, the oxidized molecule is quite different from the original one. As an example, let's use cholesterol. Cholesterol is an essential element of the human body. It is so important that most cells have the ability to produce it internally. It serves as a precursor to most of our hormones and is a neurological transmitter. Without cholesterol, our nerves literally will not work. But cholesterol can be oxidized. And oxidized cholesterol is just as different from cholesterol as oxidized iron is from iron. In our arteries, if inflammation exists, and that's a key point, you have to have inflammation existing which is why inflammation and oxidation are such similar activities. If inflammation exists, oxidized cholesterol has a tendency to attach itself to the arteries and form a layer of oxidized cholesterol, and we call this plaque. Over a period of time, this tends to plug the artery and prevent proper passage of the blood supply. There's actually tests for this. But that can lead to issues such as high blood pressure and stroke. The primary point to remember here is that cholesterol and oxidized cholesterol are two different molecules with very different effects on our bodies. Our innate immune system has in place various antioxidants to help prevent and control this type of reaction. For example, we produce a compound called NAC or N-acetylcysteine, which serves as a strong antioxidant. We produce another one called glutathione, 
And there's our others in our diets, such as vitamin C, and there are known foods which serve as antioxidants we will discuss in a minute. The oxidizing molecules which can damage the body are known collectively as free radicals, peroxides, or lipid peroxides. So when you hear those words, it's just another word for an oxidizing agent. A free radical is just a molecule such as active oxygen or hydrogen peroxide that has the ability to oxidize another molecule. But these oxidizing agents also affect our protein and our DNA. It seems that the end of the DNA molecule have an item that's referred to as a telomere. These telomeres have an enzyme called telomerase, which protects them, as the DNA is required for cellular reproduction and the telomeres are required for all of this to occur. This science led to a Nobel Prize in 1983 for that information. Now, there is a reactive oxygen species known as an ROS, which is also known as oxidizing molecules, and they damage the telomeres and cause the DNA to be shortened each time it is involved in cellular division. Telomere shortening is associated with aging, mortalities, and aging-related diseases. In 1998, a publication indicated that telomerase was capable of extending cell lifetime and is actually capable of immortalizing human cells. Now, all of this reignited the fountain of youth craziness, and now the world has antioxidant as a marketing value. We have life extension clinics and products that promote the idea of a very long life. We have that word on many items, the word antioxidant, and much of this is not science at all, but is very confusing. We do know that oxidation and inflammation are involved in many diseases, and it is definitely in your favor to do what you can to help control both, which is why I have a podcast on each item. What we do know is that much oxidation damages the body and is involved in some disease processes, such as plugging of the arteries, as we've discussed. Now, again, for the plugging to occur, you must have both inflammation in the artery and oxidized cholesterol. Without both, the artery remains clear. We also know that inflammation can produce oxygen-reactive species and damage to our bodies. You referred to my podcast on inflammation for more information on that. But again, the point is inflammation and oxidation are tied together. Now, Dr. Linus Pauling received two Nobel Prizes in his lifetime. The first was in chemistry and for, was for his work on the chemistry of complex structures such as proteins. He then ended up spending his later years researching life extension and the role of vitamin C as an antioxidant. He was one of the first to recognize the importance of vitamin C and also the individuality of each of us. He recognized that the one-dose-fits-all concept doesn't really work. It determined that for something as important as vitamin C, each person should determine their optimum dose. For more information on that, go to my podcast on inflammation or use the frequent answer question on the website. But we can thank Dr. Pauling for recognizing the importance of antioxidants in our lives and for the importance of vitamin C as one. It is also important to be aware that the body oxidation process is a fairly recent and ongoing science. As such, there's a lot of confusing and conflicting information out there. We do know that oxidation is a normal body process, and excesses are what causes the disease issues. Over the millions of years of ours and similar body chemistry of other species, 
effective antioxidant reactions are in place. They protect us from this. As mentioned previously, vitamin C is used. And remember that humans are one of the few mammals that don't make their own vitamin C. We have to take it in with our, with our diet. N-acetylcysteine and glutathione are primary antioxidants, and each of those are available as a supplement. They're effective orally. We also take in antioxidants in a proper diet. We're back to proper diet. Foods we label as spices seem to be an especially good source. Green mint, cinnamon, cloves, allspice, oregano, and basil all have good amounts. Berries such as blueberries, raspberries, strawberries, and cranberries are also good. Certain vegetables such as artichoke, kale, cauliflower, red cabbage, orange bell peppers, beets, and tomatoes also have them. Nuts and seeds such as walnuts, pecans, pistachios, chestnut, and sesame seeds are also good. Dark chocolate and coffee are also high in antioxidants, as are some beans. Now, if you'll read the list of the same kind of items on anti-inflammatory, you'll find a lot of them do the both. The marketing of this buzzword, antioxidants, has led to some really confusing claims. I have seen sugar-laden cereals labeled as an antioxidant and also low in cholesterol. So you got to watch out for that kind of stuff. It's just misleading. There are good antioxidant levels in some fruit, but the sugar content of the fruit makes them an issue for weight gain and type 2 diabetes. Some of the antioxidant products would be high in helping to produce type 2 diabetes. So listen to my podcast on diabetes to be aware of some of that. The science of antioxidants is pretty universally accepted by most scientists as real and proven. It actually received a Nobel Prize for some of this work and has been documented by some of the best scientists we have. As such, the supplementation of antioxidants with dietary supplements is a logical choice and is a proven method of helping to establish proper levels. But for some reason, which I have never understood, there seems to be a small but very vocal number of people who seem to oppose the idea of vitamins and supplements in general and frequently express those opinions. In fact, your doctor may well be one of these. I have read good scientific articles about the value of antioxidants and in the same day read articles that indicate damaging effects from them. The anti-supplement vitamin group seems to rely on meta-studies for most of the claims. Now, this is an opinion, but I'm a little leery of meta-study quotes. It seems to me that you can create a meta-study to support nearly any position. True science experiments produce a result from a properly designed experiment. The result is published, and other teams are able to produce those same results by reproducing the experiment. It seems that marketing or opinion science cherry-picks to prove or disprove an opinion or a point that's preconceived. And the science data is contaminated, in my opinion, with too much of that. When I confront what seems to be conflicting data regarding preventative medicine— I defer to the practitioners who have a long and successful history of treating actual human patients, not just white mite, rats, guinea pigs, or meta-studies. I look for practitioners who have at least 10 years of experience and 10,000 or more patient models with high success rates as a model. A good example of this would be gingo, which is a herb used to use to increase the blood circulation of the human brain. It has a very long history of successful use, but I have read opinions that state it is not effective, a waste of time and money, and should never be taken. On the other hand, you have Dr. Ammon, 
a nationally recognized psychiatrist and brain expert who fits the model of over 10 years as a practitioner and over 10,000 patients. He actually uses brain scanning models and has scans showing before and after blood circulation using Gingo. He is an actor supporting of its use based on his science and patient histories and results. Now, which of those would you pick? I have been taking Ginkgo for many years and plan to continue, so that is my choice, and you are free to make yours. The purpose of our podcast and our website is to prevent to you the proven science so you can be properly informed to help with your decisions. Now, supplements that have antioxidant properties and are recommended include vitamin C, at least 250 milligrams daily, vitamin A, but as part of a daily vitamin supplement such as Centrum, not in excessive doses, vitamin E, as a tocotrienols, tocopherenols complex instead of straight alpha-tocopherol. Selenium is part of a daily vitamin such as Centrum, again, not in excessive doses. Zinc as part of a daily vitamin such as Centrum, again, not in excessive doses. And then I recommend N-acetylcysteine, 600 milligrams daily. This is a direct antioxidant that's very effective. So you now have a list of good food choices as well as recommended supplements to help you obtain good results in controlling antioxidant effects in your body. Notice that antioxidants and anti-inflammatory are related, and both are very important factors in preventing medicine. I encourage you to engage this knowledge to help you create habits and increase your use of the proven foods and supplements to help you have a healthy and happy life. Well, I hope you found our today's topics of interest to you. This is Victor B., your host, reminding you that our website, sciencebasedhealthandwellness.com, is dedicated to providing you with science-based knowledge to help you achieve your health goals. You can submit topics you would like discussed through the question and answer section of our website, and we invite you to become a member. So till next time, just a reminder, you make your habits, then your habits make you. 